Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where each week we explore the world of hospitality by chatting with its most colorful characters. Sup, Tim. Danny, you look a little different. Yeah, I got no mustache now. Yeah, now you, I noticed that when you, you approached me at my car this morning, you came up behind me and I was a little bit startled. I didn't recognize you at first, I'll admit. <laughs> totally and, uh, unrecognizable. Yeah, and you explained that that was your summer mustache. Yeah, I try to wear it just in summer. It's a new thing I've thought about. It's interesting. I would think of it more as like a face covering, almost like a mask for mm. winter to shield you from the harsh Yeah, uh, you know, I tried to do the beard chill. and then it got so itchy and started driving me nuts. Really? And also, I think you could rock a beard. You got good facial hair growth. I don't know. It's just, it's, I it's can't get past factor. Yeah, that fa- that mid phase is tough. Yeah, it's a tough one. I go mostly ungroomed, which uh, yeah, I like the ungroomed for sure. Maybe unaff- I get I get a lot of pushback for uh, having a what Mike Morarity, my business partner, refers to as a neck beard, <laughs> <laughs> which has other implications, I guess. But uh, it's just it's just too easy to just let your face go. Yeah, for sure. I'm okay with it. Um, and you know, recently it came to my attention that I actually had a good answer for one of the questions that no longer exists in the gratuity round since we've retooled uh, it. An extinct question. Yeah, an extinct question. Yeah, we do we have new questions this week, as you'll hear. Uh, we kept the classics, but we're always kind of tweaking the end. And yeah. uh, you'll hear that later. But anyway, Danny, what do you got? Yeah. So we used to ask, what is something that bars or restaurants do that might annoy you? Right. And uh, recently I was out with Ellie and a friend and Ellie saw a cocktail that looked appealing to her and she ordered it and requested no egg white. And the bartender just gave so much pushback. It was like, startling very strange hmm. do you want to do some role play and i'll i'll be ellie uh sure sure okay yeah. so uh you can come into the table and you say okay ready yeah, go yeah. <laughs> action <laughs> uh what can i get for you well i'm really interested in this one cocktail but i noticed it has egg white in it i was wondering could you possibly make it without the egg white mm, without Without egg white. Yeah, just I mean, everything the same, just no egg white. Uh, but the egg white really, like, makes the drink. I don't know I if it would work that, but, without um, egg white. I understand that, but I have an aversion to runny eggs and egg whites. Hmm. I mean, I guess maybe. I mean, it's I okay. Try. I could probably find something else on the menu. Uh, or, I, no, I, but this one, it is the one I want. Uh, okay, I will reluctantly. My husband's a bartender. Cocktail. We'll sue you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, it was just so bizarre. I mean, he, yeah, he acted it's, it's, as if it's like the whole cocktail. Yeah, it was yeah. Super if I'm posting up at Scofflaw and I'm if I'm making a, an amendment to a cocktail that's yeah, made it's fresh doable. for you, it's not like yeah. the batch thing you're asking to change, right? Yeah, exactly. You'd think also, you'd think that they'd be happy to keep an egg white out and cost yeah. eggs these days. My gosh, that's right. Also, you have to shake it for last time. I mean, that's it's right. A, it's an all around win. You'd think. Yeah, win, win, win. But anyway, did she ultimately anyway. get the cocktail she wanted? Uh, yes, and it was delicious without egg white. And she as, liked it. She would, and now they've changed the assume. menu to... <laughs> yeah, to... It's called Ellie's Cocktail now. Yeah. Um, but someone who is uh, very willing to accommodate or at least extremely hospitable and... I wouldn't throw that out there. We, he didn't, we didn't discuss that <laughs> yeah, with any him. Any pizza modifications <laughs> you want to throw out. Uh, no, but we had the pleasure of talking with Derek Tongue this week, and it's just very clear that he cares so much about what he does. He's touching tables. He's in the business, you know, five nights a week yeah he's a he's not like a restaurant background guy i mean now he is because he's been in it for so long but he comes from like healthcare administration so a different career path and then switched um pizza making was kind of a hobby he was working on it with some friends and doing uh pop-ups at different farmers markets and and that kind of grew into events and then he um was mentored by paulie g the paulie g in brooklyn new york he is a real person we just he's a real dude yeah 
Yeah, and I uh, kind of learned the pizza craft and the business from him and then opened Polly G's, brought it to Chicago. Um, now it's in, I think, four different cities, but they all kind of run pretty autonomously, it seems. Yeah. And I think Derek has taken the concept and really run with it. He's um, He's gotten some great accolades. Yeah, the second best uh, pizza in the city. Yep. According to the newest uh, Chicago Mag That's article, right. 25 best pizzas in Chicago. Yep. Also Pizza Cup winner for his uh, gluten-free... What, I don't remember what was on that. Yeah, Flo- it's like hot honey and pepper or ricotta. And That's right. Honey and pepperoni. Yeah. Something. <laughs> it, he goes <laughs> yeah, over it. Yeah, you yeah, can also look it up. It's still on the menu. It is. You can tell delicious. which one it is. There's probably yeah. a picture of a trophy next to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called out. Um, yeah, they ring a bell when you order it. It's yeah. a U.S. Pizza it, Cup winner being ordered. It's a train whistle. Yeah. It's deafening. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so this was a good conversation. We're excited to have Derek in the studio. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with Derek Tongue. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Host Cocktails. That's H-O-S-T-E, cocktails.com. Connect with quality. Welcome to the studio, Derek. Thank you. And it's, thank you for bringing pizza. Oh, my pleasure. Those pizzas are excellent. My pleasure. Okay, and, real quick, could you go through which three you brought again? Yeah. So yeah. I have a recording too. So reference. all of them came from uh, Apologies Wicker Park. So we brought the Mushroom y Pepe. That's our new one. It's a play on kind of the camel soup, mushroom soup. So if you love that, it, we make our own in-house mushroom cream sauce and fresh mushrooms go on and it's just got all sorts of amazing like flavors that'll just make you comfortable at home and feel good again. Um, the other one is the other two. One is the Wicker Baby, and that one uses like an East Coast sweetened style tomato sauce, um, and then we use flat iron red pepper flakes on there along with like peppers and spices. So that one's kind of sweet and spicy and got all the kick that you need flavor wise. And then the last one is our Vodka Roni. And this one was created by our recently departed Travis Heitkamp. It's a vodka sauce on top. Um, it's got garlic. It's got good Izo pepperonis from Ohio, Columbus, Ohio area. And then we finish it with a little bit of Romano. And uh, that's our fundraiser pizza this month for October. We're doing it to raise money for Hope for the Day for more awareness around depression and mental health as a whole. Very nice. And we were instructed to have the spicy one last as to not... Uh Primer buds. <laughs> was I wrong? I oh, feel like no, no, you're right. Very, no, the like, progression was for everyone. Right? Progression yeah, was that was perfect. that was a great tip. Um, are the offerings at both of your shops totally different? Totally different. So oh wow! At the Wicker Park shop, we do big twenty inch New York style pizzas, um, and you walk in, and it's more of like a grab and go, right? So you can get some, you know, that corner. You get a ton of good people watching, especially like after oh, yeah. midnight on Fridays and Saturdays. Um, but they, you know, you pick out a slice, we toast it up for you, and then you can just have a seat at one of our 30 high tops and hang out and chill, or you can order a whole pie, take it home for a game or for the family. And that one's got a much more affordable price point. It's meant to be the quick grab and go, or, Hey, I want to feed my family, but I don't want to drop like a significant amount of money on it. The Logan square one, we do wood fired Neapolitan inspired as well as the Detroit style pizzas. And every pizza is kind of designed for one to one and a half people. But that's the full service. We've got the cocktails, the salads, the desserts, um, servers coming around the table kind of deal. Gotcha. And we were talking before you came in here, and we're just curious, like, you know, how did this journey start? And I guess, how did you end up choosing to do a Poly G's versus your own? Sure, sure. Um, The journey started. Yeah, I guess we should talk about, like, Poly G's started in 
Brooklyn, in correct? Brooklyn, correct. Yeah. yeah, there is a guy named Polly G. I get that question yeah. all the time. They're like, are you Polly? I'm like, no. I'm <laughs> um, Polly's my mentor. He first opened, I want to say it was like 11 years ago now, maybe 12. Um, but he opened up in Brooklyn. Um, for my journey, you know, when I was a kid at five, you would ask me what I wanted to be. And it would be one of three things. I either wanted to be a doctor because I had Asian parents that really ingrained that well into me. You're going <laughs> to yeah. be a doctor. Um, I wanted to be a a garbage man like a truck driver because back in the day before there were all those like automated lifts all the garbage men were just buff right they like yeah. had to lift the cans Firemen the and biggest garbage biceps yeah. i'd ever seen i was like that's <laughs> what i want to look like when i grow up um or i wanted to be a pizza man because i was like oh you get to plain pizza all day and fool around um so you know i went down the route went to med school dropped out of that got my master's in healthcare administration did that for about 10 years and then decided I want to do something different. Like this is, it's fine working for other people. It's fine working for corporations, but I want to try something on my own. And you know, it, it kind of sparked because my wife started up her own business right around the same time. Okay. And so well, what that, was she doing? So she had just graduated um, optometry school okay. and then she opened up her own practice, which funny enough, like, four months ago, she actually went back to corporate because she's like, I don't want to do this entrepreneur thing anymore. Like she's done. <laughs> she's done. And she's much happier not doing the entrepreneur thing now. Um, but at that point I was like, you know what? I gotta, I gotta do something. Like I wanted to do something on my own. And so I got a couple of high school friends together and then we built like a oven on the back of a trailer. And on the weekends we took it out to farmer's markets and we just started selling pizzas and lost money, almost every farmer's market. <laughs> um, but it was like the leads that you got. So then it became like the quinceanera or the birthday party or the, the wedding that we did, like all those things made money. So for the first year, it was just a lot of learning and figuring things out. Was that Neapolitan style turn and burn? Quick? Uh, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely high heat wood fired pizza. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it pure Neapolitan because we were definitely mixing different types of flowers and it was much sturdier than the standard, like true Neapolitan. Yeah. I guess what constitutes like a supreme like, like the ultimate yeah, Neapolitan. Right. Yeah. Uh, in Chicago, I think the best ones you can get are Spacanopoli yeah. and Gallucci pizza. Those are the two places that I think are doing. And I think Sop I haven't tried Sapori in Napolitano yet. Um, I know they just rank pretty highly and they've been around for a long time too. But those two I know do like a true Neapolitan. And it tends to be like a little softer crust, right? Okay. It's like slightly crisp, just a bare crispness on the bottom and the outside when it just gets out of the oven. And if you eat it like a minute too late, it's just totally soft yeah it's a narrow window to enjoy it oh absolutely yeah absolutely um you know there's like a whole there's something called vpn vera pizza napolitana where they come out and they they measure the height of the dough they see like how long mm. it takes for you to ferment all these things to like give you true neapolitan status we don't do that um <laughs> when we were making our pizza we were blending different flours making a slightly sturdier crust something that kind of fit our palate better and that we thought the general public would like better um, and so we went down that route for a little bit and then at some point after about a year and a half of that, I decided, you know what? I would love to take this to the next level, open up my own shop because I didn't know any better and didn't know how hard restaurants could be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of reached out to three different mentors in the pizza field, looking for people that were not, not born and raised in the industry, um, not diehard Italian. Because I've, I've met a lot of diehard Italians. They're like, you don't have it in your blood. You don't. You, mm -hmm. you don't. You can't make good pizza unless you're Italian type of deal. <laughs> oh my! Is God. that purist or racist? Uh, <laughs> probably a little bit of both. Probably a little bit of both. But you know, you get that. You get yeah. that in industry. Oh my god! Um, and so those are. You like, should have been like, I'm full Italian. <laughs> <laughs> really, really East Italian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just to mess with that. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. Um, but so that was interesting. So I, you know, I met three different mentors, and then uh, I, I kind of drilled down to one, and Paulie one 
wanted to expand into Chicago. And so we talked, got to know each other. Um, we both swiped right and got to know each other <laughs> and kind of went from there. So Polly's is now in, it's Baltimore, it's Brooklyn, Baltimore, Chicago, and Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, yeah. And then he just, his, he just opened one in Philly, which I think he passed full ownership to his son. I don't know if that's complete okay. yet, but yeah, his son so runs that was one. Was Chicago second after New York? Um, Chicago was second. Oh, I'm sorry. Chicago was like third or fourth. Okay. Because Baltimore and us opened about the same time. Columbus opened about six months before we did. And are the owners, is that like an elite group? Do you guys get together? <laughs> <laughs> we get together at Pizza Expo, which okay. we were talking about. Yeah. Um, we try to get together where we can, but a lot of the times it's it's tough, man. It just kind of depends on how each of us are doing in terms of staffing and how the numbers looking, whether we can actually pull ourselves out. So So what's the, I assume each, each I mean, even your restaurants are different. So I assume the rest of the apologies are different. What, uh, is there like a common theme? Is it, uh, what are you guys tied to? Is it the education or what kind of foundation are you guys built on? Cause it's sure. not like a, it's not like a true franchise, right? No. It's like, it's very much. It's a franchise with a, with a lot of latitude. So yeah. I think Paulie's idea behind the franchise was he wanted to build a franchise where each of the owners just has the room to grow and develop things the way they want to. So very loose franchise. Um, so the one thing that did tie us all together for a long time was that we all did wood-fired pizza and we all had the exact same wood-fired dough recipe. And then we were all sourcing his, his most famous pizza is called the Hellboy. And it takes um, hot soprasada from a place, Salume, Salumeria Bielese in Jersey, some of the best soprasada that we've ever had. And we top it with Mike's hot honey at the finish. Mm. And Another, so every, that's every, a Brooklyn thing too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. And there's a whole like drama behind who created the hot honey and started that on pizzas in the first place. <laughs> um, but so that's the one that tied us together at first, but now I think he's been, instead of going to the full restaurant model, he's expanded and he's doing a slice shop model, which is what the Philadelphia model is. Okay. And so, you is know, that Wicker Park too? Yeah. So Wicker Park is a slice shop model, but we were the first, we were the second one after he opened his first slice shop. So there were no franchise locks in terms of how the place had to look or how the place had to run. So no rules. Yeah. I think he's put more rules in place now because he, he would love for us to match his decor. But at this point I'm like, listen, unless you're going to pay for it, I'm not going to go back and like Undo renovate the, the stuff. Yeah. Know? Right. Exactly. So it's, but you know, it's a great spot. If you ever go to Brooklyn or Philly, it's got that old school, like wood panel walls. It's got like the eighties TV with the Nintendo and the Atari plugged in type of deal. It's, it's definitely a cool look. Are there things that he has learned from the franchisees? Like, Oh, the Logan square shop's doing better than my shops now. In New York, like, how do I do this? You know, I, you does know, it go both ways. It, it kind of does. There's some stuff, right. But then, so like the Detroit Logan square, that's my recipe. And so, you know, I, I've always been a little protective, but, you know, if you wanted to learn it, I would, I would teach it to him. It's fine. Um, the bacon jam that we do there has been my recipe. And that's one that I haven't shared because we've thought about taking that into production on the shelves at some point. And that would you, but it, would it be under the Polygy's label if you made the bacon jam? I don't How know. How does that work? I, no, I don't think that would be. So I think it, the, the franchise agreement says it's all pizza related stuff. Okay. Right. And so the, the sales from the pizzas, the sales from anything inside the shop, essentially. And then as we start growing and expanding and looking at other things, it's something that I have to basically talk with Polly and negotiate about a little bit. Hmm. And was the reason to work with Polly in the first place to have like an established, I guess, framework to have your own pizza place? And you didn't want to like, you were like, I don't want to learn all this from scratch and fail. And like, you didn't want to go through that process. Uh, so it was two things. One, one was, you know, it would really kind of speed up the timeline. We, we felt that the Polly G name would carry us 
really strongly in the first year and give us a better opportunity to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the original timeline after we did our, you know, one and a half years at farmer's markets was, all right, let's keep doing this for three to four years, build a critical mass, get our name out there. And then so you're eventually still with the same partners, the high school friends. So they became investors. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cause they, they didn't leave their jobs and I took the full plunge in. So yeah. are they, became, are they in healthcare? They are not ones in tech and one is, um, in logistics, like transportation logistics. Okay. Did you grow up around here? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. mostly in the suburbs. So everyone's still local. Yeah, most okay. everyone's local. We've got a few investors that are from other parts. Some that are family. Some are from overseas. Things like that. But most of the investors are pretty local. Um, so it was two things. One, it sped up the timeline a lot. Um, but two, you know, my wife and I kind of stayed up and hemmed and hawed about this for quite a few nights, and we were like, well, if he's going to try to open in Chicago. Are we going to be kicking ourselves three years from now for not taking the chance and him having found someone else to open in Chicago? Mm. And we were like, all right, let's take the plunge. Let's give so it a try. So he was actively looking for someone in Chicago. Yeah, you know, he was real sneaky about it. He like, <laughs> so Serious Eats did a interview. And at that time, they were just interviewing different pizza makers, right? And at the end of, they did like a three-part on Pauly just because his story, he's such an amazing storyteller. Um, and so he had so much to say. And at the end of it, he was like, if anyone's looking for a mentor and just wants to learn more about how to open up your own pizzeria place, reach out to me. Here's my email. And he put it out wow. there publicly, right? Under the, and I don't know if Polly will ever admit to this. I think it was under the guise that he was trying to grow a franchise. Yeah. Right. And smart. So, pretty smart. Yeah. Right. I wonder how many people reached out. Is that where you reached out to him? That's where I reached out yeah. to him. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if the other guys reached out the same way or not. They might have. Cause I know a lot of them were. They're on uh, Serious Eats. There used to be this. Um, it was called like My Pie Mondays, maybe. I forgot the name. It's gone now. But you would submit like the pizza that you're working on, the recipe, a picture, and they would just shoot out like a feature of here's the 20 pizzas that we saw recently. Mm-hmm. And it was great for inspiration, better understanding of dough, just learning about combinations and ingredients and technique. Um, and so while I was working my corporate job every Monday, I would just log on and spend like 30 minutes at lunch, just reading through all these different pizzas and figuring out what I want to do. Okay. So pizza was always kind of on the back burner for you. Yeah, I think so. I think when you, when you were in the healthcare administration, were you, was it like, man, I'm just doing this to pay the bills. I can't wait to do something else. Or was it like, or did you just kind of reach a point where you're like, I really just can't do this anymore? No, I mean, I think I, I enjoyed it. I just. I don't know that I loved it. I love the people that I worked with, right? Mm-hmm. But I also hit a point where it was like, you kind of hit a cap where you're waiting for the people above you to pass away or retire. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. there's like you, there's no more growth, right? Yeah. Or you move out laterally, and I'm like, I wasn't looking to do that necessarily. So I thought, well, let's let's kind of hybrid entrepreneur this. I'll just keep working for like a year or two, and then we'll make pizzas on the side and have fun with it, and then see where it goes. And so. do you think, sorry, do you think you, you were kind of an ideal mentee for Pauly because you didn't have the pizza background? It's not like you had your own shop that you'd been running for a decade. Like you were coming from a different industry and you just had a passion for the product? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I don't know what his ideal mentees were. I think he has his own kind of screening process. Like he... You know, we go there, we train. I trained in New York probably for about three to six months. Some of that was while he was setting up other places and opening up in like Columbus. I took over the shop in New York for a while. Oh, wow. Was Um, the training redundant for you at all, given the knowledge you already brought to the role? So so the the dough making was redundant, right? And then some of the ingredient prep was redundant. But it was only redundant to the point where, you know, we were doing a farmer's market. So maybe we were making like 100, 120 pizzas once a week to prep for that. Whereas at a restaurant... You're just doing it at a much bigger scale, moving like kitchen efficiencies, things like that. And I had never worked in a restaurant before in any capacity. 
So being able to train out there, and then I, you know, while I was opening up this restaurant, I worked at a couple different restaurants just to learn as much as I could about restaurant culture, kitchen culture, industry culture. Um, so there was a little bit of redundancy, but a lot of it was good learning. Like a lot of my, you know, touching tables, getting to know people, building regulars, a lot of that I learned from Polly. Yeah. Um, and so that's just kind of ingrained into me now. And was there a vetting process between you and Polly where he's like, all right, you seem like a good candidate to open a shop. But like, <laughs> how did, like, how did he figure out to, that he could trust you, that you could trust him? How did that go? That's a good question. I, you know, we just kind of met. And when the first time we met, I remember being super nervous. And I was like, I had my laptop with me. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a, like a consultant Excel geek junkie. And so I was sitting here like crunching numbers and showing him like the models that I would go with in Chicago and what I was thinking about. Um, and he like didn't even look at that. He, was, <laughs> he just wanted to like shake my hand, get to know who I was as a person, I think. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how he vets people. Were your, Definitely were diff- your models accurate? Uh, not even close, man. <laughs> <laughs> they, they never are. That's the thing, like, oh, we need to see uh, comprehensive figures for this. It's like, okay, it's going to be bullshit. Yeah, but we'll show exactly. it to you. Yeah. We'll put something together. 100%. Every time we open a new project, the more I learn, it's just like projections. Projections are just projections. Now yeah. I put in at least like a twenty to twenty-five percent pullback of what my initial gut says, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe that's not even good enough. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. What were the ways in which the projections were off? Oh man, uh, gross revenue sales and, gro- and, and growth were way off. The amount of labor we needed was definitely way off too. And I had no idea that labor would grow the way it did in the last like seven and a half years either. Did yeah, you have a global wild. pandemic in there? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I had foreseen that. Nostradamus had said it. No, I had, like who knew, right? Yeah. I, even when the pandemic happened, I was like, oh, guys, we'll be okay. This will last like two weeks. Everyone will stay in their home. Yeah. We'll be okay. Who knew? Two years. Yeah. Um, but it was it's it was a learning experience. It was definitely a yeah. learning experience. So w- when you've got these recipes that I think pizza's finicky, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, can uh, it can be. It can be. So how do you, with your staff, how, is, how does training happen to ensure quality control? So we have a very specific process for the dough, as well as specific processes for how we stretch, how we check the pizzas when they come out, et cetera, et cetera. So there's usually with every pizza, there's probably three to four key markers that we just want them to take a look at. So like a wood-fired pizza, you know, we're looking at that crust all the way around the edge, the cornichon. And then when it comes out, we want them to check the bottom. So they'll lift up the pizza and you'll see them touching the bottom and just taking a quick look to make sure that it's charred properly, that it's crisp, things like that. And then the cheese on top. So it's a lot of visual cues, Mm -hmm. trying to figure that out. The dough processes that are much more scientific. So, you know, we have a very specific rest time for how long the dough has to rest for. Um, the cold fermentation time, how much rise we want before we put it in the fridge, all these things. But they're all laid out, and that's just all part of the training process. Mm-hmm. And, like, hydration and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Measured down to the gram. Um, we do – we're starting to chart out a little bit more with our Detroit doughs in terms of – because the temperature starting to change. Um, and Travis, one of our staff members that passed away recently, he's uh, he was our dough guy. He was – he was just like the savant of dough. Like he would make bread. He would delve deep into the, the understanding of the science. So he knew how to adjust it really easily. Now that we've lost him, we're starting to chart things out. So understanding like, well, what's the kitchen temp today? And so what does that mean? We need our water temp to be in order to hit the rise at the right time. Hmm. And so we're starting to science it all out a little bit more like bread makers do. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, your old school mom and pop pizzeria that's like, fill the dough to this bucket line and wait for it and then ball it. So, yeah, I think that's like, I feel like when we talked to Greg Wade, I was like, man, this guy just understands bread. Oh yeah. He gets it. He knows what to look for. He doesn't need to follow a book. Like he just, he has his own cues that he's looking for. I think, I think, I think it's a lot of practice, but I think it's also 
there's something there that's something unique like kind of mindy savant level baking where she can just get in the kitchen and make shit. she just knows she just knows but that, i think that just comes with experience right yeah. and, and you know they said that what is not it, in the mindy's case hours? but yeah most people <laughs> mindy well, that, by now it's off, the experience yeah. but she she claims she was she just got in the kitchen as a kid and just was started baking turning out yeah. croissants like uh, it was yep. her job <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing because i yeah. make croissants once a year from scratch with my daughter and i the butter block just goes to shit every single time it's terrible <laughs> yeah my um, wife wanted to make uh we were watching i think it's like it's complicated one of those nancy meyer movies uh-huh. and um she takes uh steve martin into the kitchen just like whips up a croissant and she's like <laughs> i want to make croissants i'm like that's not what it's like <laughs> it is a very difficult timely process i mean yeah. pillsbury puts out a great product it doesn't say croissant True. but you know that crescent roll that's not bad that yeah. does pretty well in a pinch yes <laughs> totally oh man so um when you, I guess, walk us through the the decision to open a second location. Was there was were there certain metrics where you're like, okay, once we're humming like this in Logan, we're gonna look for another location? And did you have that place picked out already? Sure, sure. Um, the second location, we wanted to open a slice shop. After we saw Polly open up a slice shop in Brooklyn, he was doing pretty well with it. You know, we had wanted to open a slice shop as well, and so one of my one of my staff members was really into New York style pizza. So, you know, the goal was for him to kind of run the shop. Um, but Logan square was doing well. Like we were at a point where right before the pandemic, at least things were just humming. They were busy. Even my GM was like, we're practically on auto. We have like the amazing staff, the execution, everything's like smooth as butter right now. Um, so we wanted to look to expand because I, the more the, the original goal for me was to open one restaurant and just be comfortable, be happy, be in the restaurant every, you know, five nights, six nights a week and just get to know our guests, get to know our community. But do you I'm, still do that? I'm there five nights a week. Um, what are the, like, I mean, just out of curiosity, like what are the hours that you do? Are you there for like peak six to nine or does it just change all the time? Uh, so Sunday and Wednesdays are the days that I'm not in the restaurant at all. And I use those days for a little bit of admin, but I make sure those are like family days. So, you know, Sunday we'll go out and do something with the family, go catch up with cousins, things like that. Wednesday... Um, I take my daughter to Shaolin Kung Fu at night and I, I do Kung Fu training with her now too. It's just to stay in shape. So I'm like, all right, well, this is a dedicated, like me and my daughter time. So I'm trying to carve out and lead a more balanced life because she's older now too. I don't, you know, she's starting to ask when I'm, when I'm not around, why I'm not around. Um, so all the other days I come in and depending on what the day is, depends on what I need to get done. So if I'm like back, if I'm behind on admin work, I might hide out upstairs or by the bar and get some admin work done. But I'm still trying to touch tables, especially mm-hmm. with regulars, and just try to get to know people, see how their experiences. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I ate there, you came up to the table, introduced yourself, asked how everything was. Well, thank you for coming out and supporting us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I I do that less and less, which is why I think I'm, we're trying to bring up one of our staff members to become more of a GM role. And one of his primary roles is going to be, you got to get out there and touch tables again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, um, we're focused and we're, we're trying to grow it still. Um, but I am there, like I said, about five nights out of the week, I'll get there probably an hour before service and generally leave about an hour before service as well. Um, but it just depends on what the needs are. Like I had to close the other night cause both my team leaders had family stuff going on. One was like an anniversary. One was like their kid's high school prom thing that they wanted to attend or something. And I'm like, all right, well, I haven't closed in five years, but give me the list. Show me how to close. And <laughs> The team was very supportive and helped me get out quickly. Um, but yeah, I'm still part of the ops right now. Um, but you know, we're working on shifting that as we chase new concepts and see where it goes. Nice. Now there are a million pizza places in Chicago. So many. 
A lot. So many good ones. Yeah. How do you stand out? I noticed you, you do a lot of community work. You're very involved in the community. Is that kind of the secret or, I, don't, I mean, I mean the product, the product has to be good. It's, I mean, I don't want to say it's hard to fuck up pizza, but like pizza's great. Yeah. Um, but it seems like you've taken it to another level. What What's kind of your strategy there or, or what's your secret sauce? I think community's part of it, right? I think it's, it's good to give back and be a part of your community. And in my head, like pizza is meant to be community style food anyway. So, you know, bigger, like, small picture, we cut it into six. The best way to enjoy pizza is bring in a bunch of people so you can trade slices like you do at lunch as a kid, right? And try different things. Um, but bigger picture. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think a good pizzeria is meant to be like a community spot, a community gathering spot. The best time, the best times are always when the families come in and they see another family from the same school and they connect with each other and they hang out and the kids hang out and parents can sit on the side and have a glass of wine. The kids can put their face up against the window and watch them <laughs> make pizzas and stuff like that. Right. Um, the community is part of it. I think um, for the prices we charge, you know, we need to make sure that we're putting out superior pro- product quality every single time. Yeah, this isn't single topping pizza. These are these are like cuisines. Yeah, I mean, they're very well thought out, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is hard for guests that have never dined with us before. Like during the pandemic, it was extremely hard. We would get orders for our wood-fired pizzas, and it's their first time trying it, which god bless them they're helping me out like during a pandemic and they want to try like a new small business but like if you're going to get a wood-fired pizza that fires in 90 seconds with absolutely no thermal mass like absorption from the oven and then it sits in a box steaming for five minutes 10 minutes before you pick it up and take it home 15 minutes later to crack open to try to eat like this is going to be a terrible first experience yeah so it's challenging um but we focus as much as we can on curating really high quality product and then making it visually appealing, right? I feel like in this day and age, like especially this day and age, Instagram eats first. But we've always eaten with our eyes mm-hmm. first. Yeah. If it's not pretty, like people aren't going to want to eat it, and that plays a role in all of it. Um, that you know, and plus the service, plus everything else, like everything has to hit nowadays. Otherwise, yeah. the restaurant just isn't worthwhile. Like you won't go back if it's terrible service but great food, right? Or you'll. Maybe you'll go back, but you won't think about it as much. Or if it's like great service, but the food's terrible, you'll definitely won't go back. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of need like you a have balance to check of all everything. the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, a tasty, versatile spirit. Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin. Complete your bar. Now, to you, what is Chicago-style pizza? Is that deep dish or tavern style? It seems to be a hot debate right now. I think it's both. I mean, they're yeah. both very, they both originated in the Chicago area, right? I think there's there's some pizza world drama right now. <laughs> St. Louis claims they invented the tavern style, which is very possible, which is very possible. But I think we're doing our own version now, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, deep dish is great for what it is. I think it's very much a celebratory pizza. It's very much a, we have guests in from out of town, and this is what they think Chicago pizza is. Mm-hmm. But, like, the good tavern style is just what we enjoy on a regular basis. It's the snacky pizza that you can just grab squares of and enjoy yeah when people come from out of town they're like 
A, am I going to get shot? And B, where, where <laughs> I should I get pizza? <laughs> my, my parents have a hard time coming into the city now just because yeah. they, they see all that stuff all the time and people getting shot. Yeah. Like, this is no different than any other city. Yeah. I mean, I feel like crime's on the rise across cities as a whole. Yeah. Um, but you just got to be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. And you got to be smart. So For sure. Yeah. So changing years a little bit to you brighter, didn't want to talk about gun violence yeah. <laughs> uh, recently you were named the you know second best pizza in the 25 best oh. pizzas in chicago ranked i mean pretty high honor of all the pizza places it's it's quite the, the number two yes um, yes i'm sure that'll i mean you're busy already but i'm sure there'll be some spike for this article we're hoping we're hoping um how did you yeah how do you feel about that what's your reaction to awards it's you know i'm super proud of my staff for doing it like i said i'm only there you know five nights a week now so especially you know two out of the five nights i'm not there and then if i'm doing other things i'm not there so the fact that you know the staff is providing the service level and making sure that we hit those quality checks i mean that's that's on them right yeah that's it's on me and the team leaders to help instill that, but like the execution is all the staff. And so being able to know that the, the, the quality of product that's coming out is consistent, the visuals are consistent, and they're doing a great job in focusing on that to, to push us all the way to number two just means everything. So, and you're no stranger to awards. Uh, you kind of famously now have a pizza on the menu that's the U.S. Pizza oh. Cup winner that you've named uh, the U.S. Pizza Cup. Winner. Yeah, you know the article says I shamelessly named it. Honestly, yeah. it was it was meant people to want be... to know. <laughs> yeah, but how, yeah, so there is a U.S. Pizza Cup. I'm Otherwise, everyone's asking is. which one won the award. Yeah, so there is a U.S. Pizza Cup. It was a happy accident. So you know, when I first delved into the world of competing in culinary pizza, I I, I created this like. Um, this Chinese inspired pizza that had like a Szechuan driven barbecue sauce that had like this um, pork belly that I had like sous vide for like two days, sliced super thin, charred up like at the very end with a torch for the show as well as just for the flavors. And it just flopped, man. In Vegas, <laughs> I, got, I got second lowest in, in that category. Did so, you like it? I loved it. Okay. But I also didn't get to try the final competition piece. So I don't know if it was like, was it too cold? Mm. Was it like, was there something wrong with it? And they don't give you very good notes. Did someone sabotage you? I mean, maybe, right? I have no idea, <laughs> right? So, maybe it was one of the Italian pizza makers that you encountered <laughs> in the beginning of your journey. Oh, well, I mean, competing in Italy was just like... They, they didn't like anything I did. I did terrible in Italy. But so this was my start in culinary competition. And I tried it in Vegas and I was like, this is terrible. I prepared three months, sharpened my knives, got this ready, practiced like, because you only have 30 minutes to execute a pizza. So I'm like, all right, I got to get the timing down so that this all fits and flows. Um, practiced probably a do dozen times and scored like second from the bottom. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Forget it. I, I give up. <laughs> but the best thing I took from that was that I got to meet all these competitors and these amazing pizza makers from just around the U.S. and around the world during the competition and just get to know them. Were they all like hobby pizza makers or did they come from pizza shops? No, no. They're all from pizza shops. Okay. There might have been... There might have been one hobby pizza maker, but I think it's the hobby pizza making seems really exploded over COVID and ever since the advent of those portable ovens that you can get, like the unis and things like that. Yeah. And so now there's more hobby pizza makers competing from what I understand. Um, but after that competition, I was like, forget this. I don't, I don't want to compete anymore. I don't, I don't want to spend this energy and like do this terrible. But then two months, three months later, there was a competition right in our backyard, right in Lyle, essentially. And it's like a 15-minute drive away. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a bunch of pizza makers from Vegas that were coming in. So I was like, you know what? 
let, I want to hang out with them again. It'd be nice to see them. Let me go. Let me go and I'll compete in something. So there was a gluten-free category and we had been working on our gluten-free pizza for probably about six months, um, really just dialing in and trying to get it so that it was really good and really presentable. Um, so I brought, I threw some ingredients together. I'm like, these are pretty. This looks nice. Let me, let me throw some ricotta on here. Let me put some hot honey to like balance the color and some basil to finish out. Um, and so I kind of, you know, the night before I put together a pizza, brought it in, and then I came out in first place, which only goes to show one culinary competitions. You don't, there's no control, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. you don't know who your judges are. You don't know what their taste profiles are. You don't know what they're going to like or not like. Um, the only control is just do your best, perform your best and shoot for the, you know, just wish for luck from there. Yeah. Um, don't spend three months. Stressing <laughs> <about> it. <laughs> it was, it was a fun three months. I was super excited. I think that was why it was such a huge letdown, right? Yeah. You get like so amped up and psyched up for something. And then you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's it. Um, but so it's called the U S pizza cup. Cause it was only meant to be on the menu for like a month. Cause at that time we were rotating, um, two Detroit's and one wood fired every single month. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well it won. So I guess let's put it on the menu for yeah. a month and see what happens. And then a bunch of our regular guests were like, if you don't leave this on the menu permanently, we're not coming back. <laughs> we'll never forgive you. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> all right, well. this place to the ground. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not even, you know, we try to come up with good witty names or references to like I think albums and stuff. Yeah. But He just had a fire, Danny. That's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's like the name of the that pizza. Was we're gonna have, we have yeah. two fire guests yeah. in a row. We just oh, had uh, Oliver. Yeah. I just listened to his podcast this morning. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, How was, was yours okay? The fire was way, yeah. I mean, it was like a small fire. What happened was we saw smoke coming out from behind the steel wall by our burner. And what the fire inspector ended up saying was it wasn't electrical. It was just that that whole cavernous space um, with the wood frame was just superheated and then cooled, superheated and cooled. And so the wood frame mm. just got dried out. And so it just spontaneously combust, which like is a insane. backdraft situation. I mean, I guess. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> like, so, I mean, it was just embers, right? So we saw a little bit of smoke come out. So we're trying to peel away the steel wall and not call the fire department to take care of it if we can ourselves. Because once the fire department comes, it's all hell breaks loose, right? They just chop everything up and spray mm-hmm. it down with yeah, every chemical. Yeah. Um, but at some point, it was like, okay, the smoke's increasing. We need to call the fire department. Yeah. So they came in, they cut everything open. We got the equipment out of the way, luckily, so that didn't get damaged. Um, and they just, you know, took a hose to, like, the, the small embers that were going on this A-frame. And so... What was your space before it was Poly G's? Um, it was called Tenoch Titlam Bar and Grill. And I think it was, like, an Aztecian steakhouse. But it was Whoa. only open, like, two or three days a week. Do you remember that, Danny? Yeah, it was. It's, I mean, next to the Whistler. Yeah, I saw it all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The owner at the time, <laughs> I think he sets up, like, power companies in South America. So this was, like, his pet shop where he was like oh i've got some guests in town let me let me show them a good time at my steakhouse type of deal right yeah. did and you so, ever eat there i did not uh, i heard the mole was good oh. right and then before that it was a nightclub at some point because i still have guests that come up and tell me about how they used to do blow on the like the second floor <laughs> and they're like oh yeah back in the day you know the bouncer would let me up on the private floors <laughs> well don't stop now <laughs> or like a party bus shows up in front of your place and just everyone goes in that'd be hilarious that'd be hilarious um Okay, so we've got the list, you know, recent list of 25 best pizzas. My favorite pizza that I ever had in the entire city was at Great Lake. Were you able to go there before they Only four times. Only four times. the best. And I don't know how they salted their dough, but their dough was, like, perfectly salted. It had, like, just the right tang every single time. I'm always just trying to talk to someone about... Did you go to the pop-up when they reopened? I did. And they didn't have their pizza. Exactly. I was was so disappointed. Same. I had... 
I think I had like my first, I had, I think I had, uh, my son Arthur with me at the time and it was like a big line. Yeah. It was like in the cold. I remember yeah. it was like yeah, annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I had to wait, but I was like, you know what? This is my favorite pizza of all time. And then they were like, gotcha. We're doing like squares. Yeah. The square, they were doing the Roman, squares, which were great. It's not what I had signed up for. It's not yeah. what you had signed up for. No, right? not at all. And I was like, <laughs> it was like a great vibe in there because i was so happy prank. to have them back yeah like making pizza again yeah it's greg and lydia yeah um yeah i think i think i've heard that they've separated and so the business is kind of like i, I don't know i heard that they on. just never needed it like i heard that they it's just like hobby yeah it was like a hobby that just like blew up when gq named it the best pizza in the country and yeah. then like it was yeah. just nuts but what a wild pizza situation. oh my gosh is gq the authority on pizza. <laughs> I mean, when they, just I mean, like back Ocheval in the day, getting best yeah. burger in the country. Does, was that a GQ thing? It was the same guy, right? It was like a similar, like when a publication calls yeah. you know, something the best in the country. Yeah. I mean, national up. publications like that make yeah. a big difference. Yeah. Manion you know was a big, uh, what was it? Uh, Esquire guy. Like that's how he got into food yeah. writing, I think. Yeah. 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 But yeah, social so media is weird, man. I mean, you have people like, you know, and the pizza, you guys know who Stool Presidente is? Yeah, El Pres. Yeah. So when I started reading... <laughs> yeah. so I, Tim has a Dave Portnoy tattoo. Oh my God. Do you really? No, no of course not. No, I was like, what? Like, that's Tim's that's, that's, a, that's a joke like, I won't play along. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I used to read, uh, I used to read Barstool back in... Um, See? Back in college. <laughs> a huge bar. So this is like 2007. <laughs> and it was uh, El Prez, the sales guy, and his wife. He was married at the time. Yeah. And he was in like a shitty house in like in boston i guess mm -hmm. and um then i just read he just bought a 42 million dollar house in nantucket like yeah, the career trajectory wealthy, of this yeah. guy it's crazy like he was just he was printing stuff and just handing it out in uh in boston just, yeah it's it's kind of insane oh, you think it was because of pizza or you think it's like damn <laughs> well i remember like too. the the gambling like the, thing everybody right. knows yeah, the right. rules one that. bite thing and then uh when i started hearing like everybody saying that i was like oh you guys know barcelona and I, it's just a huge phenomenon it just became huge huge yeah. uh, huge investment which is crazy because we talk about like validity of understanding like how do you really judge a pizza you know you have the gqs and the stool presidentes of the world and i'm like well clearly they have a significant impact and they can make or break a restaurant for sure yeah, so. yeah he was just in chicago yeah, he comes through all the time yeah. so i think he's he got like a chicago brow. queue yeah he, he like like yeah, yeah. yeah. he had their good. he had their taverns now. okay okay yeah so that tavern he was there on a Tuesday. so good something i noticed on the list that chicago mag put out was that there were a lot of as Tim probably enjoys uh, a lot of like sweet and savory combinations, mm -hmm. not only your pizza, but there were others that I read on the list. I was like, Oh, like there's kind of like a theme here in the 25. Oh, for sure. I think so. I mean, I think sweet and savory just plays well, right? You want yeah. that contrast. Everything's a contrast, right? For us, even when we think about our pizzas, it's like, okay, contrast visually contrast, like flavor wise, contrast temperature wise, texturally. if you can play texturally. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what makes food interesting now. Yes. And it's just, you have to play. You have to play and get those contrasts. Yeah, we were just discussing a sandwich earlier uh, that just seemed to have no, like, not enough textural contrast. It sounded kind of gnarly. <laughs> um, but I won't speak about that sandwich. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to think we got to go off air about this one. I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, I know where it's know. from. I can't <laughs> remember the sandwich yeah, you're yeah, talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd still try it, to be honest. Yeah, I would try. I guess so. Is it like a toasted peanut butter jelly from like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's similar. Yeah, yeah. Can't mess that one up. Yeah, yeah. So you guys talked, uh, you mentioned a moment ago the um, like the hobby kind of home ovens, like yeah. uni and things like that. You guys were talking about it before while I was fidgeting with the camera. What, uh, what What's your take on those? Do you Is there one 
that you gravitate towards? Is it, should we just come to Polly G's and say, forget about home pizza? No, no, no. I think home pizza is, is, is a very important thing. I think there's a lot of people that have grown up having like pizza Fridays where you make pizza with your family at home. And I think that's awesome. Like that's how it should be. And pizza should be like an approachable food, right? So, you know, the question is, how much effort and time do you want to put into making the best possible pizza you can make? Maybe leave that to us as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, doing it at home. But it's it's overall it's a very approachable thing. Um, we are pretty agnostic when it comes to the various types of portable ovens, right? Okay. So we use we have like two Brevels, we have like one or two Unis, and then we have like two or three rock boxes as well. Is this for offsite things? This is all for offsite. Okay. And so okay. you know when we're like where they want us to go do a wedding or they want we're doing a pop up at a brewery or whatever, depending on whether it's outdoor indoor, depending on how many people we need to feed, what style we're going to do. We just bring these ovens with us now, and we just kind of get them ready to roll. Um, so I think they they each serve their own purpose. People can just kind of find the ones that they like the most and play. Mm-hmm. And it depends on your budget, right? Like I know Uni and I think maybe even Rockbox came out with their own like in-home electric version now. Pretty pricey, yeah. but you know you get you got to pay for equipment that gets up to like 850, 900 degrees inside your oven, chars out your pizza real nice. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it just depends on what you're trying to do. At home, I'm not allowed to buy any more pizza ovens because I think I have like four <laughs> or five now. Ask <laughs> for a single family home. I uh, know. So my... Switch it up when you're making pizza at home. Uh, I don't ones. make pizza at home very often yeah. anymore. Yeah. So no need. why would you? Yeah. Well, it's just you know I. I I only get to eat at home dinner wise, maybe like twice a week. Right. And then the last time I made pizza at home, it was really like we had cousins in from out of town and they brought their kids. And then we brought all the kids in the local area, which were like 10 different kids. And we just set up like an uni and we said, all right, everyone gets to learn how to make pizza today. And they learned to stretch the dough. They topped it themselves. I helped them fire it. And every kid had their own little like 10 inch pizza for dinner. And it was, it was fun. It was fun for recording. Um, but unless I'm doing like major testing of some sort, I just don't make a ton of pizza at home anymore. So my sister got my dad, the uni is like a father's day gift a few years ago. He got, she got him the uni. It was the, when you only had the wood pellet option and he never uses it. And she's like, what the hell? He's like, well, it's kind of a pain in the ass. I found out you can convert it to gas and they, now they sell like a pellet and gas. Are you compromising anything going gas over? The wood pellet? I don't think so. I think it's in the oven for such a short time that you don't get a ton of smoke flavor, right? It's not like when you're smoking a meat and it's like hours and hours of exposure mm-hmm. to smoke. That makes sense. There's a little bit of smoke flavor from the exposure, but not significant enough to like make a significant change. So I would say go with gas if it's easier. I feel like gas it is, is almost always easier, right? Easier, you literally yeah. hit the igniter and it's like half an hour later, you're ready to roll mm-hmm. versus like, okay, let me load some more pellets and keep pulling. I think there's like an artisan sexiness to cooking with wood. There's, there's yeah. the fun of it, right? So if you love building a campfire, you're going to love cooking with wood and making pizza with wood. If you hate the idea of building a campfire and you just <laughs> want, like, you know, electric radiator that you turn on, then you kind of know where you fall on it. So mm-hmm. Now, cold pizza <clears throat> is d- still delicious. No, absolutely. But it's always going to be better hot. What? Mm. No? Okay. I think. <laughs> so in college, like Giordano's was my like breakfast, of, my hangover breakfast of choice. And Deep that dish? like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you're eating just like a huge chunk of cheese with that sauce and it was like, it held together so nicely in your hand. You could kill it. There are some places where I think the cold pizza might be better than the the original hot. Interesting Maybe. take. Maybe. I'd, I'd ask Danny for his take, but he is chewing pizza <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> right. Um, but when you do want to reheat it, what is the best way to do it, I guess, for each style you offer? Ah, uh, okay. Um, so for the wood-fired style, I think the best way that I've found that's most, def- like, 
quick and efficient is really just like turn on a pan, put a little bit of water in there, and then put the slice inside the pan, maybe like medium heat, right? And then just throw the cap on. And what you want is that water to evaporate and then be able to kind of just wake up the cheese a little bit, get the cheese a little bit melty, and that bottom will toast up and get a little crispy, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Um, For Detroit style, I really like the air fryer. It's, okay. it's just so easy to pop it in there. You'll get all the crispy edges all up again. The cheese wall will also get crispy again, and that works out really nicely. Um, the New York style, you could go either way. So I think it's whatever you have access to. They're both really good. Um, for me, I always like to reheat. When I reheat like pizzas that I pick up from the city and take home for late-night dinner, I'll have the wife turn on the oven. We have a baking steel in there. Okay. And so we'll just heat it up for about 45 minutes, 500 degrees, flip it to broil, slide it in for like 30 seconds, and really almost any style just heats up really well. What you want is like something to absorb and then reflect heat back from the, from the floor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you, so the pan is the method I use the most often. The pan yeah. with the cover in the water. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just it's so, so easy. easy. Right. Like and you don't have to sweat it. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. I'm starting to wish I had an air fryer. We had one. We and don't we have never one. used it. And I'm like, get this out of the kitchen. It's taking up a lot of space. And now I see all these like, TikTok things, yeah. all these recipes, like Doing damn, dinner stuff. in ten minutes. I'm like, man. So we don't have like an official air fryer. We have the Breville, which has like an air fryer option, like I the d- toaster oven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have one of those at the office. We oh, never we have use a Breville. it. I didn't know it had an air fryer option. So the one we have has like a dough rising option, an air fryer hmm. option, a toast, a bagel option. Like, yeah, it's we got have like a, a ton menu of, of options. Yeah. That I just never really explored. Them. I mean, it might have an air fryer option. Hmm. So I, mean, I think it, it was like pre. Yeah, I don't know. This is from like 2016. Air fryers, you have to add a little bit of oil though, right? Like a true air fryer? Yeah, but just like spray, like very minimal. Okay. So with the Breville, there's no like, there's no yeah. area to add oil. Yeah. So maybe you just spray a little it's bit. It's all the oil that's left in there since we don't clean it out. <laughs> that is true. From the, from the glass wall that you yeah, can't exactly. see through anymore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so we like browned out. Um, so pizza follows trends or trends. Pizza is no exception to trends. Mm. Um, I feel like. Detroit style in Chicago was a very big thing. Oh, I feel like sure. the past couple of years it's been uh, tavern style. Mm-hmm. What do yep. you think? What would be your prediction for the next style to catch fire in Chicago? Ooh. Or not, maybe not even Chicago, maybe just in the country. I mean, tavern style took a big leap in the last year or so across the nation, right? Because I think Washington Post and New York Times did an article mm-hmm. on it, which is why it really blew up. It's kind of yeah. like, you guys follow Kenji? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like whatever Kenji kind of touches is what he's True. like the influencer of the next trend. Um, so it's a good question. I don't, I don't know he that there's like a Martha style. Stewart. Was he really? Yeah. He doing had a what? big post with Martha Stewart. What was he doing? Uh, like showing her how he made like a couple fried chicken sandwiches with her and did some other stuff. And then he ends it with like, just talking about how she is such like a humble living space and it's not quite as big as his manor, but like just some like final joke in there, like in the very bottom of the caption. That's pretty hilarious. He's a funny guy for sure. Yeah. Um, I will go out on a limb and say pizza puffs or pizza rolls. Hmm. Wow. Which I think pizza puffs are very Chicago and no one really knows about them. Right. People see the trucks driving around with the giant pizza puff on the side of it. Oh yeah. 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 Like, that's got to be a single mm. brand. Italico, right? But I think I there's think so. imitators, and then there's gourmet versions. There's, like, an yeah. article out there that talks about the gourmet versions of Pizza Puffs, hmm. which is interesting. I don't really know if it'll catch wind. but it's I'm like, like a poor man's calzone kind of thing. Yeah, I, I always thought it was more like a chimich- like an Italian chimichanga. Yeah, right? Like, deep so. fried. But I could see the calzone thing. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a pocket. Yeah, but, like, I lo- that was my college food, dude. That was, I yeah. mean, easy college food, deep fried, delicious. If you do it right, it's crispy. Yeah, like, that's fair. I had a lot of those. I, I like just, I like this idea of this next trend. I think it'd be cool. I don't yeah. know how it would catch and whether it would catch. I think, you know, I'd have to get 
Maybe next time Kenji comes, we'll try to invite him to go get pizza puffs and see what he does. <laughs> yeah, where would you go for a pizza puff? I don't know. I'd, I'd have to go back and look at the list because right now, Not like, would know. yeah, he would. Yeah, there are gourmet ones. There's one at, at Hound Dogs on Grand and Oakley by our office. Did you ever have the pizza puff burger at Kimsky when he was doing that? No. Oh my God. He replaced the two buns with two pizza puffs. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah, that's a lot. It was like, <laughs> it was, oh man, it was instant diabetes. It was crazy. It was oh, so good man. though. It was so, and every time he does it, it sells well and he hates it because it's like the most lowbrow food yeah. that Juan will do sometimes. It is like, dinner, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard to mess it up. No, man. It's like the artisan dilemma. It's like, how far do you want to go to make this gourmet and how far do you want to go to make it really, really good? And how much will the public actually care? And are they just going to like, you know, get whatever they want to get type of deal. <laughs> yeah. so. so on outside of pizza, what do you like to eat when you're going out to eat so much sushi steak? I mean, I, middle Eastern food. I, I will eat just about everything like Asian food, dumplings, kimchi. We're on a big kimchi kick right now with my wife. We'll do mm. like kimchi fried rice at home for, for breakfast all the time. So good. Um, yeah, I'm I'm game for just about anything. And do you stick around Logan Square, liquor um, area when you go out to eat, or are you hitting? So if, in, when you're in the burbs, I guess it's hard to get back into the city when you're not working. It is. When I'm in the burbs, I'm generally cooking. Otherwise, if there's like a new spot that's getting some heat, then I'll I'll go try to check it out with family if it's mm-hmm. like kid kid friendly and kid appropriate. Um, otherwise, in yeah, I try to stick around Logan Square, but I'll like reach out a little bit. I've definitely hit like a couple. I like to go to Chinatown. Chinatown's got some good like childhood memories for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I will go pretty much anywhere in the city. When I'm in my vegan month, I will. I mean, I will take like, I will go wherever. If people have like a new restaurant, they're like, oh, this is amazing. You should go check it out. I, I I'll immediately go check it out because at that point, I'm like, I'm either cooking all my own food and vegetables or someone else. There's very few truly vegan restaurants that can really put out like a full menu. Now, explain your vegan month real quick. Sure, sure. So, two months. So, I do two cycles every year. I go one full month of vegan, then one full month of vegetarian, and then chicken and fish, and then I eat all the meats. Are they sequential like that? They're sequential. Okay. So, six months out of the year, non restricted diet, I eat whatever I want to eat. And then the other six months of the year, it's some type of restriction, but only two of them are vegan and then two of them are vegetarian. And, you know, that stemmed originally, well, two, two, two reasons. Um, One, I was having some liver issues. I was having some elevated enzymes, some fatty liver. And my doc's like, you know, you got to, you just got to drink less. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I only drink a beer like once every two weeks right now. So this is, (laughs) it's clearly not like alcohol related fatty liver. And it was just from food? It was just, I think food and maybe lack of exercise. So those were two things that I was like, okay, let me make some adjustments. Let me let me try some things. Let me take some new like. Were you having any symptoms, or just showed up in your blood work? No, it just showed up in my blood work. But then they did Whoa. the ultrasound, and they're like, oh yeah, it's confirmed. It's fatty liver. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I don't I don't need to shorten my lifespan. Let's figure out what I need to do to fix this. So, um, and then the other piece is, you know, we have a lot of people that come through for our vegan pizzas, and so in order for me to just like stay on top of the newest techniques, the newest trends, the newest products. And the newest restaurants, I'm like, let me let me just take a whole month. It takes me a week to fully recalibrate my palate, so I can really appreciate vegan food at its full. Because I, I do feel like it's very hard to try a vegan cheese and then compare it to real cheese, mm-hmm. especially growing up eating real cheese all my life. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to appreciate the vegan product as much until I've taken the time to just adjust my palate again. Yeah. Um. So that that gives me an opportunity to just kind of play a little bit. But yeah. overall, it's just helped me introduce more vegetables in my diet. I just think about veggies more, which is kind of nice. You yeah. mentioned that 25% of your sales in Logan Square are vegan pizzas. Yes, yes. Are there any yeah. other trends that you kind of notice crunching the numbers? Um, 
they shift slowly but steadily. So like when we first opened, the Detroit pizza was maybe 10% of our total sales. Um, part of it is because we only offered it like Wednesday, Sunday through Wednesday, I think, and mm-hmm. we were closed Tuesdays for a second. Um, but little by little now, it's like 52% of our sales. So Detroit's wow. kind of wow. like what we're being known for over the last seven years. It's become more and more popular. And do you see the numbers from the other Poly G's locations? Like I don't. Nationally? No. I just see our own. Yeah. Do you ever talk to Polly about like, Hey, I'm noticing that we're, we do a crazy amount of this. Like, is that something that you guys do or is that atypical? Um, you know, we know we've never had those kind of big group discussions. Like we'll, every once in a while we'll, we'll get on the phone together. We'll get on an email chain together to try to do some group buying tech negotiation and stuff like that. Oh, but we, cool. we probably don't do enough just like team franchise work to help each other out. But also, you know, local markets have very different tastes. Yeah, too. for sure. True. So like trying to make adjustments for that may or may not work. All right, cool. Tim, should we hit him with the gratuity round? The new and improved gratuity Ooh, round. New yeah. and improved. I hope you weren't yeah. prepared. I, I, I have a list. I was like preparing for my no, gratuity round. Up, we, no, we kept the classics. I love it. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. So, you know where we're going to start. Death Row Meal. Death Row Meal. So this is a game that I actually play with my wife every time we go out to eat on vacation. We will finish a vacation and be like, okay, so what was amazing that we had? What was terrible that we'd never want to have again? And then <laughs> would any of the amazing things fit into your Death Row Meal? Mm-hmm. Um, can I pull up my list? Yeah, of course. All right. I came like super prepared for this. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, uh, it's a big one. So... I'd start out with, uh, there's this thing called pusit, which is um, Filipino-like squid. And when we were in Boracay on our honeymoon, we had this black ink garlic squid from this place called Detali Papa. And it's like this outdoor market that's just like dingy and there are flies everywhere. And you see like the animals and fish are just laid out and you, can, you don't even know if it's rotting or if it's good. <laughs> but someone had ordered from a specific stall... And they made this like black ink squid over rice with garlic that was just like blow my mind on this world good. Mm. Um, I'm into that. I don't know that. And we tried to order it two days later and it was off. It was wrong. So I don't know what we ordered wrong or how we did it, but wow. it was a once in a lifetime experience. Oh, man. Got to enjoy That's it. Crazy. I guess I'll cancel my trip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or find out for me and then <laughs> yeah. tell me how to do it right. Um, the next three are Alinea dishes. We, okay. uh, we saved for seven months when I was into my healthcare consulting career and went to Alinea. Um, hot potato, cold potato, yeah. the truffle yeah. explosion. And then I was thinking, like, I really love ama ebi, like the sushi with the, you know, the shrimp with the fried head. Yeah. And when we went, Alinea was doing one where essentially the, the body was ama ebi. It wasn't on rice, but it was just, like, executed really well. And then they fried the shrimp head and then stuffed it with Creole seasoning on the inside. Mm. And it was just like, wow, this is amazing. So I was mm. trying to figure out, like, the best ama ebi I ever had. And that one, that one always sticks out in my head. I don't know if they'll, they'll ever do that again. Um, there's a piece of sushi that I had recently, seven day aged sable fish sushi. Wow. And that was in Calgary at this place called Nupo. And it was just extraordinary. I couldn't like, I didn't mm. know you could age fish. I yeah. think this is like a new yeah. trend seven now, right? Seven day aged. Aging the worst, sable. The worst thing I ever ate maybe was, uh, 
was a, a mantis shrimp sushi at like an omakase place in Japan. Really? Yeah. My brother and I, we, you know, it was like, it's very silent, very serene setting. It was like a Michelin starred sushi place. And so you're basically just getting handed like one piece at a time. Yeah. And we both got handed this thing. We've never, you know, it's like so foreign to us. And we later on figured out it was something called mantis shrimp. And when you put it in your mouth, it just like dissolved like into dust and like the weirdest, most off-putting like, way. Like rice paper, but worse? It like, was just so strange. Like, like mantis cotton shrimp. candy? Yeah, it was so Well, you had said in the beginning, you talked to your wife, like, what's the worst thing we had that we never want to revisit? Yeah, so that kind and of that's it. Made me think about it. And you were talking about shrimp and sushi. Oh, man. If I ever get to Japan, I gotta... I, I, now <laughs> yeah, I want to try it. Try some mantis shrimp. Like, Would yeah. that be a good gratuity around question? What's the worst thing <laughs> yeah. you've ever eaten? I mean, as long as you don't name names, right? Like, yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, I wish... It's yeah, not a good bad thing, thing I don't remember the name of that place. Oh, <laughs> no, it was an amazing meal. Just that one thing was just not. It wasn't right palate. for your American yeah, palate. Yeah. I'd be curious to try it. Um, yeah. I've got a few more. I, I swear I'll be quick. No, so, keep going. No, a Peking cool. duck wrap. Mm-hmm. There's just so many like fun memories of that. Like having Peking duck with my family, and they'd make the wraps from scratch. Um, some uh, some of my mom's Taiwanese beef noodle soup. Oh yeah, her broth is good. Not the best broth I've ever had, but her her execution on the beef is always like it's super tender. It's not dried out. It's like perfectly tender. Let's put it out there. What does the broth need? Um, it needs more depth of flavor. So okay. I don't think she's cooking with enough bones, and I don't think she's adding enough like just hot chili oil paste into it to add okay. depth of flavor. Mom, take note. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we went to a new place recently in Naperville, and she was like, "This broth is way this this whole soup bowl is way better than mine." Which my wife was like. Uh, the broth is better, but the beef was nowhere near as good. Okay. At least there's um, awareness and willingness to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, mom gets out every once in a while. She doesn't, <laughs> I think generally she thinks she can do everything better on her own, but you know, it's all good. It's all good. Um, there is a pizza. The best pizza that I ever had that I still literally dream about is this place called Metro pizza in Las Vegas. Hmm. And they do a Sicilian. It's gigantic, but it's, it's a five day process just to make the dough. Hmm. And so it's the lightest, airiest, most crispy edged pizza that I've ever had. And the first time I had it, I literally dreamed about it three days later. Wow. Um, is it in there? Is it in Vegas or was it, or were they um, so competing? When I, when I had it, we were doing a, like a rooftop pizza party at some casino in Atlantic City. Atlanta? Atlantic City. I don't remember where it was. Um, but that's the first time I met John Arena. And we knew of each other through social media. But he brought by a slice while I was working in the oven. He's like... You need to eat. You haven't eaten yet. Have a slice, right? And so he brought it by, and I ate it, and I was just, like, blown away by how good it was. And then a few years later, I went to Vegas and tried it in person, still blown away. And I was like, okay, maybe it's just me. Two years ago, I brought a bunch of my high school friends, and they ate it. And they're like, why aren't you making this in Chicago? Like, you need to make this. But John Arena's space is huge. He's got freezers that are, like the size of this coach house, if not bigger. Wow. Right. Whoa. So he's just like a thousand feet by a thousand feet. Cause he runs a bakery. <laughs> he runs like a bakery. Yeah. Right. And so like his walk in his dough mixer, you could fit like the three of us in like, it's insane. Whoa. Um, so you can mix us up. <laughs> be a great recording studio. <laughs> oh my God. Just it would sitting in the dough mix. Welcome to the dough mixer. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be totally cool. Maybe uncomfortable after a couple Spin hours. It but... the thing where you stick to the wall. <laughs> yeah. We're all puking by the end of it. Um, the first few minutes. The Zaragoza taco with consomme. Yeah. Uh, things nice. like. Um, and now we're on to the desserts. So desserts okay. is like 
an egg tart from San Francisco Chinatown. I have to look up which one it was, but there was mm. one that just blew my mind. The Lula carrot cake, which always Ooh, I do yeah, like carrot cake. I feel like try carrot it. My, yeah, my you sister. haven't had it? No, 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 no we've sorry, had it. We've but had we're it. doing a cookbook club on Sunday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tim's sister's gonna make the carrot cake. Oh my god, which yeah. is the, a best case scenario because she will make it faithfully and perfectly. So she be, will. Yeah, it'll be perfect then. Are you are yeah. you carrot cake fans or are you yeah. kind of like I think oh yeah of course I feel I think, like it's uh, polarizing people either no, love, I it love it or hate it yeah Do I'm sure like, Liz will call I I'm sure Liz will uh, give me shit for calling her out she's a little skeptical of the presence of raspberry jam in this carrot cake really but she's she's open to it she's an open person we're gonna find out should we invite Jason to critique we it definitely I'm, gonna t- <laughs> I'm definitely gonna text Jason that day. Take he's not gonna to show him. up but. Yeah, you never Jackson, know. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna forward this to Grant too, so he can make for you that. Uh, that. Uh, oh my god. Oh my, yeah, when I'm on my death row, just be like, Grant, can you just drop off some things <laughs> yeah, for my guy, Grant? Derek? Grant, we're losing. He's flatlining. <laughs> Get in here. Yeah. Um, and then just a root beer float with some Totino's pizza rolls. That's like my oh, nice. celebration. Like things are going amazing, and I just want to chill out and celebrate. And that's yeah. also like things are fucking terrible and i just need like comfort food <laughs> like i get home and i'm just like okay it's either gonna be a root beer float or an orange soda float and then just toast up some totino rolls and call it a day mm. and what kind of root beer is going in that float uh lately it's been spreckers spreckers mm, okay yeah. solid i did Wisconsin. like not my dad's for a little bit but like the alcohol content was i'm like i don't need the extra alcohol yeah. so there was a time they had to dial back the alcohol on that one did i they? think at one point it was like it was pretty hot quote i think it was like 10 yeah, I was gonna say ten wow, or eleven. I heard like ten or eleven. I, I had yeah. a couple, and I'm like, man, this is. I'm feeling goofy. Yeah, I think like, you had to like <laughs> dial it back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I thought about carrying it because I I love root beer and ice. I just love ice cream floats, and I wanted to I do mean, it. A root beer floats pretty pretty delicious. It's so good, yeah. right? But we were trying to do this at Logan Square when we first opened, and it just didn't sell well. And my hmm. GM still makes fun of me for it. He's like, you just want to open up like a float shop, man. You didn't want yeah. to open a pizza shop. So. Let's do an old school ice cream parlor. I would love it. Soda fountain. Yeah. Put it on the corner. Danny's That's got right. the space. Is there, right. There's no soda fountains in Logan Square. Is there there's even like, like no, where do you get floats Margie's from? is like kind of the classic old yeah. school yeah. ice cream situation. Yeah, yeah. But they don't even, they don't make their own ice cream anymore. Yeah. That's <gasps> what I heard, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Like, I believe you. I don't know. That's what I, I, I think they used to. I think they make their own fudge still, but I heard that they don't make their own ice cream anymore. We will or get maybe to the bottom of it. Plant. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to spread bad rumors. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does that conclude the death row meal? That's that's it. I mean, I'm belly busted at this point, so I will be like, <laughs> yeah, you've already died. That's that's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, what is your favorite hidden gem restaurant? Oh. I don't even, are there even hidden gems anymore? I feel like everything gets discovered. Yeah, so we fast. yeah, we're getting a lot of this pushback on this question. Um, I mean, so it just I went makes to, it harder. It does. It does. I went to Calgary recently, and I was surprised at the food scene there. So there was a place called Shokunin, which I had never heard of, but I guess is in like the top fifty in Canada for a mm. while now. Um, and the chef is just putting out absolutely amazing stuff. Like it's just what kind of food? Um, it is Japanese style bar food. Right. Oh, and cool. so, you know, he was telling me the story. He's like, it's like the true artisan story all over again. He was like, okay, well, it's, it's meant to model a Japanese bar. So I'm not going to put any sushi and any ramen on here. Is it like an izakaya? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, but then he like floundered for a long time. And then at some point he was just like, forget it. I'm just going to put a bowl of ramen on and some sushi. And then he just like exploded. And then he got <laughs> on the Netflix like final table show. Hmm. And I think he came in like third, hmm. Chef Darren McLean. And huh. it, he like exploded again, and so now he's doing great. But it, you know, at some point, it's like 
how much do you want to cater to the public versus what you want to do in your own vision and artisan vision, right? It's yeah. true. It's interesting those tiny tweaks you can make that make a huge difference. It's yeah. Yeah, you got it. You got to cater to the public, and that's just that's just part of it. Yeah, or yeah. a compromise, you know. Uh, that Meet balance. In the middle. Yeah, try to for sure. All right, favorite fast food. <sighs> um, so I am in the White Castle Hall of Fame with my wife. Which <laughs> whoa, wait, <laughs> what, does what, what does that mean? Um, so every year you can apply to be in the White Castle Hall of Fame, and if you get selected, you have to write a story and be like, "Well, this is why I deserve to be in the White Castle Hall of Fame." Um, Alice Alice Cooper's in there. There's like a bunch of wow. there's there's some like significant wow. people, but you know. Where we, it was like and, and I was guys, opening yeah. the restaurant for two years. There was nothing to do, and I really like White Castle. I grew up eating White Castle as a kid, and also a lot in college, late night runs, study runs, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And I was like, you know, this sounds cool. Let me just put together a paragraph and send it, right? Um, so I sent it, and they picked us, and they so they they paid for our drive down to Columbus, Ohio. We got to ch- visit White Castle headquarters, which wow. they just showed us like a bunch of finance offices. Like it wasn't even like a kitchen. <laughs> I was like, I got so excited. I'm like, oh, we're going to see the kitchen. We're going to see the test stuff. Um, no, it was like, this is our finance department. This is our HR department. Um, <laughs> but so it, it break, drive all the way to Columbus. would have been cooler flux. Like this is the owner of the company's mansion. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, but we got to like have a lot of White Castle meals and we got to meet some other people. And then, you know, they put our name on this little plaque that they keep inside the what's uh, your order there um my order typically is the jalapeno cheeseburger oh right i'll get a few of those maybe some onion rings they used to have a fried green bean strips huh. and i haven't seen that in a long time I that was one of my those. wife's favorite and my favorites and they actually did a pretty good huh. seafood they had like fried oysters at least at the one in columbus ohio what? when we tried it yeah right it was like a very temporary thing it was like one of their specials that i'm sure they tested and maybe it didn't work out in markets or whatever but it was really good it was way better than it had the right to be in my opinion um but you know like the classics mcdonald's taco bell my daughter's super into wendy's right now she will do anything for a bowl of wendy's chili right now like yeah mm. it's wendy's chili weather i I mean mean, the frosties yeah and then the frosties and the chicken but every time we like chicken sandwich yeah 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 and popeyes popeyes spicy chicken sandwiches like yeah yeah, so good it's really good for four bucks that's insane it can't be that good for four bucks i don't know where they're sourcing their chicken from but Mm -hmm. like that's Maybe I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah, but I don't think yeah, you want, want to know. know. Yeah. No. So I'm I'm like kind of a fast food junkie when I get the chance to do it. It's one of those things I try to like. Only for six months of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I keep carving it out. I'm like, all right, let's 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 make sure I don't eat too much of this. I'm trying to teach my daughter like fast food once a week, no more than once a week. But <laughs> Yeah, you know. even then it's still shameful. You did in your car hunched over. <laughs> yeah. That's usually what it is, yeah. right? You're like getting off shift. You're like, I just need something. I just need something in my body right now. Yep. So a quick McDonald's a cheeseburger. And, totally. Yeah. All right. I guess we do kind of have a new version of that question I talked about is what is your least favorite food? What are you not eating? Oh, what am I not eating? I don't know that there's anything I'm not eating. I didn't like awful for a long time. Yeah. Right. But then I say that, but then I grew up eating like chicken feet and other stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I've, I've like learned to like awful over time if it's prepared right. Awful sounds so appealing. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the first time, did you guys grow up eating liver? Did your parents like cook liver for you? A little, yeah. Grandparents. Right. Jewish family stuff. So And like Brussels sprouts, right? These were two things that were like totally mishandled in our youth i feel like yeah it was just dry play-doh that had an off flavor and then like brussels sprouts were just like smelly terrible cabbage like mini yeah cabbage yeah balls. exactly mini steamed cabbages it was terrible if they were crispy i would have eaten them well that's what i'm saying like now it's like so. I, you know i had liver for the first time at um the butcher at rob levitt yes 
at his original shop, Motto. Well, and Motto that, was the restaurant, and then the shop was Butcher and Lard. Right. But yeah. at Motto, I had his liver, and it, it like blew my mind how good it was. That was the first time I was like, oh, liver can be amazing. Yeah. Right? And then the first time we cooked Brussels sprouts with bacon grease underneath like a like a, you know like yeah. either deep fried or underneath a broiler i was like oh god brussels sprouts can be amazing too like yeah so that's I, just how good bacon is uh, you can make brussels sprouts oh that my good. god i know i know so i think it's just one of these like i don't know that i have a food that i really dislike i think it's just not bread and butter foods. pickles no i love bread and butter pickles mm. since since it's the Cornerstone debut question or debut of this question danny is that yours bread and butter pickles. Yeah, i, I not agree. a huge fan of a sweet pickle i hate really? it too yeah. but do you agree that it belongs on the bosam bosam sandwich yeah on sandwiches i'm cool with them but if like you if if i had like a jar of sweet pickles yeah. to eat or no. nothing so like what about nothing. relish on a hot dog Are you not cool with relish on a hot dog no. like in a sandwich yes okay so now you're saying a hot dog is a sandwich that's no, dangerous in, territory <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, a, in a thing <laughs> accompanied by other things gotcha I can deal with it gotcha but not just by itself yeah not a huge fan by itself i don't like mantis shrimp as it turns out no, I, I guess yeah <laughs> i want to try mantis shrimp now i'm not like super super can you should look it up States? it's like a crazy just learning about a mantis i gotta shrimp check it wild. out i say uni like when i my first experience with uni was really bad too really but and it's then, so good it is if it's if it's good so buttery if you're getting the right fresh, stuff yeah. right that I think, uni bite at giant Oh my remember god! That? That, yeah. yeah, that uni shooter. Yep. Yeah, hmm. but I think my first bite was in like college. Like, we went yeah. to like a you know one of those like all you can eat sushi places, and it was like two oh, two dollar yeah. more upcharge if you want a slice of uni. And yeah, we're like, oh, suspicious. must be must be good, must be fancy. We'll spend the two dollars, and it was terrible. Mm. It was like it was like play doughy textured and like yeah, flavors were off and, and yeah. so we didn't eat i didn't eat uni for like probably half a decade to a decade after yeah, that's that fair. But, tim what about you what do you not like i don't like eggplant really? i think i might have a low-grade allergy it makes uh, my mouth kind of itchy my sister has the same thing i yeah. don't like eggplant not a huge eggplant fan but cool yeah i'm going chicken parm over eggplant parm every time oh 100 okay. what about like a szechuan eggplant not even a szechuan eggplant. Szechuan eggplant. i love szechuan you love szechuan yeah and you know what i like the uh, japanese eggplant at hermosa that okay. was good too um but is, is that yeah. on his regular menu or is that his dinner menu uh, it's a dinner menu i think oh, i gotta get in for dinner it's you so really do good. it's, I, it's yeah. amazing even keeps offering it's just finding the time you gotta go. Yeah. to go but i've heard amazing things about it so we'll just tag along when you go i'd love that half the fun <laughs> is, just, <laughs> is just dining with ethan and hanging out ethan is the wonderful best. the best yeah it's just good family good people yeah mm-hmm. Right. Other than that, I don't think there's anything. Shannon can't do cilantro. She's got the soap aversion, which is extremely annoying. Oh, so she tastes the soap. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. genetic. Cilantro is like very, that's, that's one that I'm like on certain dishes in the right balance. It's great. But otherwise there's a lot of places that just put way too much on it. It just overpowers the whole dish. Mm-hmm. So. You know, what has been funky for me lately is uh, Thai basil has tasted extremely floral, like potpourri to me lately. And I thought I got a, just a bad batch. Mm. But I love basil. Yeah, I, I love, love basil, Thai basil. Yeah. This pizza and I'm basil. hoping that nothing changed in my it's very taste buds. Thai basil, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Thai basil is yeah, very different. But uh, yeah, I'm a little concerned. I need to investigate that. I think things too floral kind of turn me off. Totally. Like, I've had yeah. biscuits, like rosemary infused biscuits, that I'm just like, there's just mm-hmm. way too much rosemary in here. Yeah. Like, it just, Anytime yeah. rosemary is on a recipe, I dial it way back because it's very, it can be overpowering. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nobody wants it. And, and cocktails, it happens in cocktails yeah. too. I hate a floral cocktail. I don't know that I've had. Mm. Fl- yeah, I don't know that I've had a good floral cocktail or a balanced one. I guess I, I like some elderflower ones. But, you know, it has to be very subtle for you. For yeah. me, <laughs> yeah, for both of you. Taste, yeah. You can eat the bouquet if you want. Yeah. Taste preferences. All right. Uh, speaking of cocktails, what's your favorite? Um, 
this is another Calgary experience. My, my current favorite is one that he called Park Hyatt in the Mist. And it's made with a Japanese whiskey, black tea. Um, it's like it's an old-fashioned. Hmm. And it's it may be some of the best old-fashioned I've ever had. And the presentation's fun. It's, uh, he's, he jokes you know about, like, sweetened? Um, I don't. I don't. Maybe, I don't know if he used, like, a simple or what he did. But he, he jokes about it because it's, like, the movie Lost in Translation. It takes place in that hotel, yeah. right? And every time he went there, he trained in Japan for a long time. Every time he went there, he went to the top, and it was always covered in mist, so he never saw anything. Hmm. So I call it a park high <laughs> in the mist. And when he presents it, it's it's got, like, the smoke, oh, the smoke yeah. glass and everything. So it's got the balance, the smoothness. I was also probably like i don't know how many courses in and super tired but like mm. that was an awakening that was really freaking good yeah that sounds I, great i go for a good old-fashioned every time but if nice. i next time i'm in calgary i'm like that's my go-to drink for sure all right danny you're gonna have to make some phone calls for this one <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> all right uh what is one thing that's always in your refrigerator at home mm. a lot of things hot sauce eggs what's uh, the hot sauce of choice it varies um, some of it's like the, the local, like the Chicago pizza summit sauce, um, sriracha as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like an easy go-to. I really like the, uh, the, the old lady, the Lagama, like the chili oil. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That one's really good. And just yep, like we always have that, that too. All sorts of stuff. Um, I like crystal too. I like crystal, like my, my like not math. mainstream ones. <laughs> well, you never know. Uh, Crystal hot sauce and uh, Cholula are like always in the oh, fridge Cholula. for us. Yeah, that was like a whole waking too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I grew up on Tabasco. Going and out Tapatio. to Tabasco, Tapatio and Cholula were definitely an awakening for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hot sauces are big for me for sure. All right, that's another debut question. I yeah. love it. All right. Oh, that's cool. I just got logged out of my... Uh, <laughs> I, like the, I like the Yucateco, the green hot sauce, the really spicy one. Oh, yeah, yeah. El Yucateco. I haven't had that one. I got to check pretty that solid. one out. It's a good go-to. Can you just buy that at the grocery? Yeah, yeah like a... easy. Yeah. All right. What is your go-to host gift? If you're going somewhere for dinner, what are you bringing with you? Ooh. Uh, any special occasion or is it just like a regular like... Well, you brought pizza here. I know. It's it's like what it's we're known for. So I'm fruit. like, yeah, yeah. Pizza's, pizza's the easy one. I think it depends. It's funny if you showed up to a dinner party with like four pizzas and they're like, uh, <laughs> I guess we're not making dinner Appetizers. Anymore. I mean, <laughs> you could cut a Detroit into little pieces and make an appetizer. <laughs> I, you know, I, I always take a look at the party and like figure out the purpose and then I think about what can be brought. Because I, I like to put a lot of thought into what we're bringing as a gift. So if it's like a housewarming gift versus something else versus, you know. Um, pizza is the easy one though, or otherwise like a good bottle of wine, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it depends on who the person is. Yeah. Yeah. So what's a good housewarming gift? Good housewarming. No, so I'm asking selfishly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I so never tra- know what to get people. So in Korean, tra- I'm not Korean, but in Korean tradition, I think you have to bring candles cause it's supposed to be really good for you. in, in terms of that, um, if I'm like totally desperate, I don't know the person very well. I'll just bring like a home Depot card or something like that. Cause if you just got a new house, you're going to need stuff. At yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. That's a good call. Right? That is good. I, I'm not a big gift card giver. Like my wife's family loves giving gift cards cause it's so easy. It's efficient, but I'm like, people don't remember the yeah. gift card. I'm not into the gift card giving either. Right. Right. So I, you know, depending on what I know of the person, like if I know they're a whiskey fan, I'm going to go out and get them a good whiskey of some sort or bourbon or something like that. Alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol's always good. I feel like if you, if they're an alcoholic drinker i also think the flaw of the gift card is like you're giving someone the obligation to go somewhere else no you shop online the amazon gift card right i guess like like, who do you remember who gave you your last amazon gift card 
Yeah. Right. And do you remember yeah. what you bought with that's it? Right. It's like it was I mean, so it's thoughtful. It's yeah. so utilitarian. It's so useful, but yeah. it's also just so lost that I'm I love like, defending the gift true. card when he gives like very thoughtful gifts that aren't <sighs> gift cards. I've never once given a thoughtful <laughs> gift to you, at least. Well, gift cards are so Actually, good for our industry, right? Because only like seventy percent use yeah. they say or something like Tim's that. So that means like it's so it's. I, I, I did recently give a gift. Uh, it was Matt Haddock's birthday a couple weeks ago. Matt Haddock's the producer of our podcast. He lives in San Francisco. Well, he lives in Benicia, but Bay Area. Mm. And um, last time I was Way out. To dox him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a big difference, which is what my cousin in San Francisco told her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, so I got him. Last time I was at his house, I was in the kitchen, and I noticed he didn't have a sharp knife. And I'm like, this in my mind i'm like all right i'm gonna get him a nice knife so um for his birthday i got him like a nice global seven inch blade which is what i use in my kitchen i love it and um and so it it came i actually i bought it online came and i shipped it out to him and then the very next day so we share um i live above smith and loyalist i'm doxing myself now but uh, we share (laughs) we share a mail room we we share a mail room with uh smith and uh, Chef John Shields had the same global knife delivered oh, the next day. And I'm like, wow. that's that's good validation. That is great for Matt Haddock or for himself? I assume for himself or for someone in his kitchen. That's funny. But I do like global knives. And uh, on the topic of gifting a knife, something I learned from a friend a few years ago when I got a, he gave a me a, a knife for my 30th birthday. Yeah, you got to gift it with a penny. Why is that? Because I it's guess. bad luck. Too. Yeah. Gifting a blade could be symbolic of severing a relationship. That's Chinese culture too. Is I've it? never been. So you give yeah. the penny so that they give you the penny. Yeah. Oh, so it's like you're buying yeah, it. Yeah, they're, they're buying technically the buying it. So when Matt was in town last week, he brought the penny back to me and nice. we are still friends. I've got a staff <laughs> member that has like gifted me not only like a, a cooking knife, a chef's knife, as well as like the pocket knife that I currently carry because he just knows like I, I like knives. I carry them. I use them as a restaurant owner and a chef, you know, and I've, I've never had... I, I always feel bad. I'm like, I, how do I tell him that you're not supposed to give people knives? Like it's because he's like, yeah, it's give good money. knives too. Yeah, yeah. I, should, I should. I mean, I pay his paycheck, but I should probably. I'll, I'll give <laughs> no, him put money. an extra I penny should. on there. There you go. Square, round up, square it out. Yeah. All right. Another new question. What's your favorite band or musician? Ooh, maybe at the moment. Um, I'm a Justin Timberlake fanatic. Wow. wow. Yes. Yes. A little known thing that my my staff always make fun of me for. Do you remember that band O Town? Yeah, no. I mean, like it was a. They had a, like they they were like a one hit one. The yeah. o, like Liquid Dream was their one hit one. Okay. Day, right? <laughs> I tried out for that band in college. Whoa! Because it was just kind of like okay, well, I got nothing to do, and they're hosting band tryouts, and I'm a huge like Boys to Men in Backstreet Boy fan. Uh, yeah, I do all right. Obviously, I've, I've got like yeah. twelve so years sing. of piano. I performed in like choir and chamber choir wow. and stuff like that. So you've been college. vocals and keys. Uh, the the combination's tough. Yeah, yeah. can you sing an expert the on time. these? Can you sing us an excerpt on these? Don't, <laughs> don't tell him to do that. <laughs> oh man, if he you does, don't, you don't I want will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's time we just started a new like boy band right here. The three of us. support. I like the JT love though. You know everything. He's like for me. He's not only a great like singer, but he's a great performer. Like I've watched yeah. his specials on Netflix yeah. and HBO, and I'm like, he puts on a great show, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So he it's can, like he can move, yeah, very akin to like the, the old like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson put on an amazing show, number one performer of all time, Michael Jackson. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. insane. It's insane. Yeah, and like his discography is just crazy. How much he's put out there, right? Like, yeah. Um, but no, JT is definitely one of my my favorites. There's there's always new stuff, and I'm always I feel so old. I'm always learning like new music from my staff. They're like way more on top of the local yeah. scene than the other stuff. 
Um, Same so, with my staff. I, I learned about music. Shannon told me last night we were driving. She's like, you haven't listened to new music since like 2008. And it's kind of true. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah, keep, going, I keep way, going backwards. Yeah. I love old music. Oh, more and more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The whole Guardians of the Galaxy series is like brought back like all this old music. I'm yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That was a great hit. Like, why don't yeah. we should listen to that? They did a good like, job of pulling some classics up for that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's so good. All right. Favorite movie favorite movie oh um so in high in college when i was more angsty the crow Ooh, yeah dark. brandon lee man and it was like the whole the whole idea of like love is forever transcends death and you know you will come back and like vengefully kill anyone that screwed up your life you know, i'm like <laughs> spoiler was, alert i'm just like oh that was really cool and i mean and the fact that he died on set it was yeah, just that like, was yeah. crazy right right that is so crazy. super dark um currently i you know the bruce lee ones are always classics for me yeah like seeing you know enter the dragon stuff yeah. like that i started showing my daughter this because i wanted her she's taking shaolin kung fu so i was like oh yeah be cool for you to learn some stuff um we showed her a little how too old early. is she well now she's seven okay but when we first introduced it she was like two Whoa. and then like the next day my wife was picking her up and she like slapped my wife a couple times and i was like okay no more violent movies for <laughs> yeah. well, i guess oh we need we need God. to cut this back a little bit like they did um, them real dirty in once upon a time in hollywood oh really yeah, yeah. i haven't the, seen that one. No, you should. Oh man i won't spoil it for you interesting yeah. it's, yeah. A, it's a fun it's a wild watch. scene I've, yeah. I've heard very yeah i've heard that they a lot of the bruce lee diehards were not happy about no. how he was portrayed so <laughs> yeah i'm curious about that is that streaming i gotta see if it's uh, yeah it's definitely streaming at this point Probably. Once I bought it. I, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, all right. And then our last question. If you weren't doing pizza, what would you be doing? Um, Scary to think about. No, not really. Oh. I mean, I think... <laughs> Well, I think it depends. Does this mean like I'm now so set with money that I don't have to worry yeah, about that, life? This is how we debated great, it. That's a great question. Right? More like what you would need to be doing or your ideal scenario. Right. That's huge. Totally. Right? Yeah. Because maybe we like, change the question to if you won the lottery. No, I think it's good. It's interesting both ways. It is definitely interesting both ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, like if you had to make a living doing something that wasn't this, what would it be? I mean, I would probably still be doing healthcare consulting if I had to still make a living, okay. right? Because it's kind of like what I was trained in. Yeah. Uh, my latest hobby right now for the last three years, I've been painting miniature figures. Cool. So not like Warhammer, but I bought this game called Marvel United. It's like a co-op game, and it comes with just hundreds of these little figures. You pick your characters, you pick the enemy. Every game's different based on your powers and what the enemy's trying to accomplish. Um, but they're unpainted. So I was like, you know what? Well, let me start learning how to paint this. So for the Whoa. last three years, I've been painting minifigures, and I've really gotten into it. Um, That's awesome. What are they made out of? Um, they are made of resin, I okay. think. But, you know. It's like that character in The Wire. I have not watched uh, The Wire, Danny. It's pretty cool. I haven't watched The Wire in a while. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. So good. Um, but I'm getting my, my daughter's now painting a little bit. She's painting, like, um, some Star Wars figures and some other stuff. She's not allowed near the miniatures. No, no. She's. I'm like, well, we select her own miniature for her. Okay. Right? And I've got a separate paintbrush for her because now it's like... If you if you mishandle the paintbrush, it breaks the bristles and all this mm. other stuff. So like I'm delving super deep into that. Wow. So I think having some type of like food related slash board game slash like painting shop would be really cool. I don't know how it would make money or if, if it would Ooh, make money. Foodie yeah. board game, I like that. Yeah, right? that's well, cool. there's like snakes and ladders though, right? Yeah, snakes uh, and ladders. No, snakes and, and lattes. lattes. Oh, oh, this snakes is snakes and lattes. Variation. No, yeah. no, there's like a shop down. Um, down Milwaukee Avenue okay. and it's like board game cafe with food and I haven't hmm. been in it yet but it doesn't it's have snakes and lattes snakes and lattes yeah yeah I gotta go check it out um, well I met the owner some before he opened somewhere and I don't remember where now hmm. um, super nice guy 
Um, but I was trying to figure out like, Oh, what, if, you know, I'd love to open up a shop where like teaching people to like paint their own miniatures because it's just so relaxing and it's focused and it's enjoyable mm-hmm. for me at least. I'm like, it'd be kind of fun. But I don't, I don't know how to monetize this. I have no idea how to monetize Justin this. Justin Timberlake, pull out the paintbrushes. Yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> going to have go. to share some pictures of your mini. I'll show you yeah, some. I'll show you some. For the yeah. TBT. Oh, yeah. for sure. I can cool. show you my very first mini, which was like, it took me 10 minutes to paint and looks terrible. And then like my most recent proud ones that took me like 28 hours to paint. And I'm like, wow. Oh. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, like, you I can see, see like, a side by side. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, that's a wrap on Derek. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. And that concludes our conversation with Derek Tung of Polly G's Pizza in Chicago. This episode is brought to you by Host Cocktails. That's H-O-S-T-E cocktails.com. Be sure to check us out on social media at Joiners Pod on Instagram for exclusive content. In addition to the interviews, we've got reels, we've got cocktails, we've got throwback photos of our guests. This episode was produced by Matt Haddock, music by Captain Cuts, and our reels by the one and only Joe Guzzo III. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.